G'day, Catherine Britt. How are you doing? <laughs> G'day, Ben. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to come down and do this podcast. My pleasure. Well, um, it's got a bit of feedback audio and we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, thanks again for coming down and joining. So I've been doing a lot of research on your career. Now, mm -hmm. I'd like to really introduce you for those who's been living under a rock. <laughs> so... Please correct me if I'm wrong. So okay. this is this is off Google, this <clears throat> is off Wikipedia, this is off your website, but we can find it from the source herself. All right. Mm -hmm. So I believe you've recorded songs with Casey Chambers or performed with uh, Casey Chambers, Lee Kernigan, Keith Urban, Tommy Emmanuel, Billy Bob Thornton, Troy Cassidale, Tim Rogers, Alan Jackson, Dolly Parton, Elton John. <laughs> You've toured with the likes of Chris Isaac and Brooks and Dunn. Mm -hmm. You've performed on television show uh, The Today Show on Channel 9. Yeah. George Negus did a, oh, yeah. a segment around you. Mm -hmm. You've lived in Nashville from 2004 to 2009. You've got five studio albums. You've won four golden guitar trophies. You've got singles in the ARIA charts and you've cracked singles in the US Billboard charts. It was close. Close. <clears throat> it kind of went haywire at the end there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like going good. And then it went weird. Um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up, though. But, yeah, I lived in Nashville um, for six years all up. So I moved there in 2002 um, when I was 17 and was there until I was 23 in 2003, I think. Um, 2008, sorry. I think I came home. So, um, But that's so irrelevant. Um, and I have seven albums out now. Seven? Yeah. I need to totally go onto this whatever page is telling you this. I think this that was off Wikipedia. Fix it. Yeah. See, who writes the Wikipedia? I need to know who <laughs> does it. Anyone can amend Wikipedia. Yes. Right? Reach out if you wrote my Wikipedia Seven page. albums. Jeez, you've know. been busier than what I've Seven thought. albums, um, a best of, an EP, um, and I've, uh, I think I've won five Golden Guitars. Oh, see, I'm never looking at Wikipedia I'm not ever sure. again. <laughs> but the rest was right, so it was fine. It's all good. Yeah, well, well, it makes me question what else I've researched. Totally. <laughs> but this I is this go. is well, this is fascinating. Well, this is one of the benefits of doing all these chats. You know, you can really clarify and cut to the core and mm. find direct. Yes, don't have find to research anything. So, so that's awesome. So, um, oh, I was a bit questionable. Billy Bob Thornton, was there anything? Oh, I've seen yeah. a picture and there was, there was something happened there. Yeah, so that was a really weird story. But um, Billy Bob actually released a great – I mean, he's one of my favourite actors of all time. I think he's just brilliant. Um, but he released a really great uh, – I guess you'd call it country. It was like sort of rootsy, obscure, uh, alt country um, album like I want to say 10, 15 years ago. And I got my hands on it and just was blown away. Like it was an incredible record um, and so up my alley, so my music and so what I do. And I felt like he would, he totally would get me and I would get him. Like I felt like he liked the same music as me. Sure. Anyway, long story short, that's not going to happen. But um, I saw that he was playing in Nashville when I was over there and um, I went along to a, a gig or whatever to try and you know, see the show and then it was like midnight and he still hadn't gone on and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I think I was like 18 or something at the time. I was super young. Um, no, I was 17 actually. And um, 17 my, years old and you're reaching out to Billy Bob. I was Bob. 17. I was trying to meet <laughs> Billy Bob. Um, <laughs> what a groupie. Um, anyway, so for some weird reason, I had this great manager in America called Stan Morass, um, amazing man, and he's like, you know what? Let's just go see if we can go find where he is, whatever, backstage. And I was like, 
really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll be fine. So we just went up these like stairs and whatever and found this door and it said, fully said Billy Bob Thornton on the door. And I was like, that's really weird. So we knocked on the door and he answered the door and there's like whole party going on behind him. And he's like, hey. And we're like, there's a party oh. and you're 17, like any in the States and you can't <laughs> totally. And I was like looking yeah. behind him. There's like all this stuff going on. There's like gorgeous people. I'm pretty sure there was like people doing lines of Coke and like, just, like <laughs> drugs and alcohol everywhere. And everyone's having a party. And he just opens the door and goes, Hey guys. And we're like, hi. Um, and my manager goes, look, this is Catherine Bridge. She's an artist, blah, blah, blah. She's a big fan of yours. And he goes, come in. And we're like, okay. So we kind of go into this room and he just like, would you like a drink? Would you like a line of Coke? You know, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and I was Off, like, a, oh, a my God. He didn't know I was 17. <laughs> but he was Jeez. just trying to be nice and hospitable and just, like, let us stay and hang out. Anyway, it just kind of got crazy and they, you know, it became a party party. And then he's like, hey, um, we're all going to head over to the studio. I'm doing my next – he was doing a second album. Um, and I know you're a fan of the first one. Would you like to come? And I was like, oh, my God. God, I would love to come. So my manager then like split off and I went with him and with my partner at the time and we sort of tagged along with this crew. It was so weird. I reckon there was like 20 or 30 beautiful people just following Billy Bob around Nashville and we were two of them. And then we got to the studio and he like played us his new record and it was amazing. And then he goes, all right, let's go to Waffle House and have like a feed. It was just like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. And I was like, sure. And he goes, you want to go to Waffle House? I was like, to go to Waffle House with you, Billy Bob Thornton. And we walked in and had food. And I remember the waiter coming over to me going, are you guys with Billy Bob? And we're like, yeah, we're with Billy Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Anyway, so that was my Billy Bob encounter. I can't say that I've technically sang a song with him or anything, but I would love to one day. I think he's well, amazing in so many aspects. And what a dude. So yeah. nice. Hey, this, is, this is when his, uh, his acting career was also quite... Well, this is totally, been, yeah, he was, was really big. Was it like Armageddon or is it, is it before Gee. Bad Santa days? No, I think it was after that stuff, um, but before all the new, like the, the new stuff that he's doing nonetheless, now, I mean, like, it's, it's a monstrous name, like all oh, these yeah. people you've, you've hung out with. It was very surreal. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the, the thing I learn more and more, these are just people mm. and they just want to connect like anybody else, you know. So I think we all put them in a different category but really they're, they're just, they're human just beings. people and they're either good or bad people yeah but yeah. generally if they succeed and they have a long-lasting career they're 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 good people well do you find that like i um, do find that. i mean you're like oh my god billy bob thornton <laughs> but when you're touring do you do you get any fans like oh my god Catherine brett yeah yeah i mean for sure um and it's it is very weird and i think you you know because i know who I am, I know that I just get up and brush my teeth in the morning and I know that I'm just a normal person on a day-to-day basis. Um, so it is really surreal and I can see why that is weird to him on a different level. Mm. But when people do act like that or like you go to get a photo with a young girl and she starts crying or something <laughs> and, you know, it it's surreal to you because you're not really sure why they're doing it. You know what I mean? But then you think about it, you're like, no, no, that's right, I'm a singer. Sure. <laughs> and they yeah, like yeah. my music. You must and have learned some lyrics in there. Right? For a bit, you yeah, know, yeah. like, and you don't, when you just sort of think about it immediately, you're like, oh, what's wrong? Like, why, why are you crying? What's wrong with you? Um, but, you know, then you kind of put it all together in your head. But it's, it, it is weird because at the end of the day, you know, I'm, you know, everyone's just like everyone and you're just doing what you do and what you're good at. It's such know, an awesome gift to be able to put out there. Like, like you, you might have written some lyrics or some songs or a melody or something which which helped people through hard times or totally. sad times and and for them to hold on to that that's that's something I don't know if you could put a price tag on it. 
No, I don't think you can. Um, it's totally immeasurable and, um, you know, it, it's worth everything, I guess. Like to me, music is everything. I'm, I, I love it. I love what I do. I'm totally obsessed with music. I'm obsessed with my job. I'm obsessed with what I do. And I enjoy every as- aspect of it, even the hard stuff, you know. Sure. And there's a lot of hard stuff, you know. It's it's really hard work. Well, that's what I want properly. to talk to you about. I want to yeah. talk about all the behind the scenes of the hard <laughs> okay. stuff. To make that's all true. the – yeah, yeah. But um, before we get into that, because um, you, you lived – how long – you were 17 to 22, 23? 23, 23 I moved home, yeah. So you left the country 17. Yeah. How was that experience? I mean, there's one thing to be meeting Billy Bob Thornton and, <laughs> and some pretty notable people. Um, but also being away from Australia at mm. such, an, such a young age, how did you prepare for that? Uh, well, I didn't have a chance to prepare for it. Um, it all happened really quickly and I think that's very uh, music business. You know, one day you could be sitting on your couch, the next day you're playing a stadium. Like that, that's what I love about the music business is that every day there's a new, a new opportunity, you know, or a new thing that comes along that, that can change the direction of your life completely. Um, and that's what's so exciting about it. You know, I never needed to do drugs. I've got music, you know, like it, it is, it's a high constantly. Um, but it's also, you've got those extreme lows, you know, after a, after a festival or a big event or whatever, you've got to come down to normal life again. And sure. it does affect you for sure. But look, I think for me, um, I made that my first record when I was 16, um, called Dusty Smiles and Heartbreak Cures. 16, you, you released your first album. Yeah, yeah. So it's about nearly 20 years you've been... <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. know, it doesn't look it. That's not showing. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, so 16, I made that record. And then um, I I don't know, just it. it's one of those things I think, you know, stars align sometimes in the music industry and, and, and the world is ready for something like what you've just done without you even realising. I was 16, I wasn't plotting out some master plan. I was just making a record of songs sure. I wrote, you know. So yeah. um, there was nothing, you know, um, clever behind it, if you know what I mean. Um, so anyway, it, for some reason, um, Elton John was touring in Australia at the time and he got his hands on the record. The story is that he went into a, a, a record shop, which apparently he does a lot, closed down the shop so he could shop in there and go through all that because he loves music. Is that right? That's what he does. VIP yeah. experience. So he'll go in and like wow. close the shop down or go in after hours and they'll keep it open for him, something like that. I'm assuming that he's very humble, so it's probably something more like that. And um, he was just shop- shopping through looking for new music and he said to the guy behind the counter, what What do you recommend, man? Like what's, what's new, what's whatever in Australia? And I have no idea why, but this guy apparently said, oh, you should check out this girl. She's only 16. She's a singer-songwriter from Newcastle, blah, blah, blah. And he did. Thank you, strange man behind the counter. <laughs> uh, you changed my life. But um, So Elton took it on the road with him and he loved the record. Uh, he reached out to my label who I'd just signed with. So I released that album independently initially and then got picked up by ABC Universal. So I'd only just signed to them. I'd only just got management. So everything was just starting to happen a little bit. Um, I think I'd done the Casey Chambers tour, which was my first tour. I think so you were touring her. with Casey Chambers before Elton John? Yeah, wow. yeah, I did that tour. That yeah. was my first tour when I was, yeah, really 16 or 17, yeah. Um, and uh, then he reached out to my label and said that he wanted to meet me. 
so surreal. Who um, was that? It was sort of phone calls, a text message. It was a you... phone call from the label. Yep. Um, I was sitting at home playing Spider Solitaire. I'm pretty sure on my computer, <laughs> waiting for my next shift at Domino's, thinking, why did I leave school? Hang on, you're still at Domino's and touring with Casey Chambers. Well, yeah, because you don't tour full time <laughs> with these people. You know, I mean, back then you did. You used to go on the road for three or four months, and I yep. did. But I then needed to. I left school for this tour. So she asked me to go on the road. I was in high school. I said to mom and dad, look, you need to accept. I'm going to go and talk with Casey Chambers and I'm going to leave year 11. And I was devastated. Yeah. Um, But I did it. And so I went on the road with her, but then that tour ended and I was like, uh, you know, now what? So I had to prove to my parents that I was going to do stuff and not be a dead weight. Um, so I went and got a job at Domino's because my, my whole, all my family's worked at Domino's pizza. <laughs> like I'm not joking. All my brothers have managed a Domino's at one point. So I went and became a pizza maker at one of their stores. Technician. Sure. Technician. Yes. Yes. And boy, wasn't I. Um, I'm pretty sure I was awful. But, um, yeah, and I was waiting for my next shift at Domino's when I got the call. I had a shift that night and I was just bored at home. And I didn't watch much TV, so I didn't, I didn't know that there was anything going on. Um, but apparently he was going around like talking about me in all of his interviews, like with Carrie Ann and, you know, back yeah, in the day yeah, and yeah, Today yeah. Show, whatever. He's going, oh, there's this young girl, Catherine Britt and blah, blah, blah. I'd really wow. love to meet her. Imagine and I had no idea this was happening. So you were watching that on TV before. Well, no, I haven't. I got <laughs> copies of it later. Wow. But I didn't know that he was doing that. Yeah, and he was yeah. going around in all these big interviews saying this. And I got copies of it all later from the, the label. They tracked it all down. But it wasn't until he reached out that we were totally aware of what was going on. And they said, look, he... He wants to meet you in Sydney, you know, get in the car and drive to Sydney, you know. And I was like, what? So I had to cancel my shift. Clearing the schedule. <laughs> Clearing the schedule. Can't make it tonight to make pizzas. Um, <laughs> and then I just drove to Sydney and um, met my record label rep backstage. And it was very surreal. I, you know, we knocked on the backstage door and this big burly man answered the door and he's like, how can I help you? And we're like, oh, <laughs> which again, I feel like it's a really Bob Thornton story all over again. We're just here to meet Elton John. My name's Catherine Britt. And he goes, oh, Catherine Britt, right this way. So weird. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm somebody. And he kind of took <laughs> me through. And we were just sort of placed in this room with all, the, again, with all these other people. I'm pretty sure they're all media. So they were all just like talking and mingling and drinking. And there was like these men walking around with like gladiator little half, like tiny little booty shorts and gladiator. It sounds wilder than a Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> so party, <weird>. doesn't it? <laughs> Like serving drinks, yeah, like they yeah. were like this, and it was like so like a gay scene. It was really really <laughs> cool and very very amazing. Um, so I was just like, wow, what's going on? And then all of a sudden we all got herded into this room. Everyone this way into this room, and we all got herded in. And I I kind of saw through the crowd Elton, and it was like he had like this halo around him. I'm not even joking. It was like ah, <laughs> and. He spotted me through the crowd and he just was like, Catherine, and like pushed through everyone and came over to me and wow. gave me a big hug. Yeah, and the yeah. whole room stopped because everyone was like, huh? Who's, who's, who's that? Who's yeah, that? like it yeah, was, yeah. everyone stopped talking and everyone just looked at us. It was so weird. And he just kept going. He didn't care. Obviously, he was used to that. And he was like, um, you know, what's going on? Like, what are you doing with your record? Have you been to Nashville? I was like, no, I just left school. He's, and, he's your fan. You know, he, he, he it was so weird. It was so yeah, strange. Yeah. Anyway, and he said, look, I want to help you out. Um, will you stay for my show? I want you to see what I do. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm busy. Like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you do. But anyway, I mean, to be honest, I was 17. I knew I knew some Elton John stuff, but for me, the Elton John impact was Lion King, mm. like that whole soundtrack and everything. I knew him from that. 
Um, so I was totally, and that was my favorite movie when I was a little kid. I loved Disney and stuff like that. That's how I first started singing along to Disney songs. So I was such a fan of that stuff. And I stayed for the show and it was live broadcasted around Australia. So it was, I think it was his last show of the tour and it was like a, um, on telly special. And I was in the audience and, um, he went to introduce a song. Uh, I'm not sure what, what it was at the time, to be honest, I could probably look it up somewhere, but and he said um, that he wanted to thank me for coming. And he, they said I was this great new singer-songwriter from Newcastle and blah, blah, blah. And he just, like, did this wow. big spiel on stage in front of 50,000 people yeah, in the yeah, whole of yeah. Australia. Yeah. So I went home that night, like, I don't think I'll ever That's, yeah. top that. And I yeah. don't really know what to do now. Uh, and I got a call the next morning from my manager. And he said, look, let's not get our hopes up, but he's asked for 20 albums to take – to the US with him on tour. So let's see what he does. Like, you know, he said he wanted to help, but it may be nothing, but that's pretty cool. He asked for 20 albums and I was like, okay. And I, I reckon it was like five days later, maybe not even, not even a week. Uh, and I started getting calls from all the major record labels in Nashville saying that Elton had just been in their office and wow. gave them a copy of my album. You and didn't even them, have to try for this. to. Ha- he just did it off his own back. I just, I, yeah, I'd never been to Nashville. I'd never even nothing. Like it was very surreal. So DreamWorks, RCA, all of them were just calling in saying, Elton John's told us we have to sign you. Will you fly over and meet with us? And it was just really weird. Um, and then, you know, the first to fly me over was um, RCA Records. Um, so how did you resign from the Dominoes? How, how did that <laughs> yeah, boy, wasn't that a conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I think at that point, you know, it wasn't too long after that that I I, I went over uh, to Nashville with my dad because I was this I was, like a one way ticket? Were you thinking I'm going to be there for a no, month? No, it or? was it was a you know come in and meet with us sort of thing for a week. Yep. Um, and you know we'll go from there. Uh, I had no idea they were ready to offer me a contract on the spot. I thought we were just meeting like to say hello. I don't wow. know. Like I didn't know it was what it was. Sure. Um, yeah, and they flew my dad over with me as well because I was too young to. Um, contractually sign a contract that was biting, you know, by the law because I was 17. So my dad flew over with me and we met with the label and I sang on the Grand Ole Opry, which was my first time doing that. So I'm the what youngest. What is that? What is it? It's like this thing. prestigious stage um, that, you know, Elvis, Hank Williams, all the biggest stars in music have played on over the years. So they used to say, they used to say that if you sing on the Opry, you've made it. So it's like, I guess it's kind of like Carnegie Hall for rock and roll or... So you're 17, you, you just achieved and that to, and you're yeah, thinking, so like, where do you go from here? <laughs> so surreal. Like that whole trip yeah. in Nashville, I was like so sick. Like, because I just, I think it was too much, you know, like I, I didn't know how to handle it all. And I was just a young girl from Newcastle who went to Whitebridge High, you know, it wasn't, it didn't make sense in my head and I couldn't process it all. So I was just kind of going along with it all. And I was, I remember watching videos of me as a kid doing it. And I, I was really happy, but I was really confused. And I remember we went to, to the Ryman Auditorium, which is another famous country music place where the Grand Ole Opry started originally. And I was like getting sick in the, in the garden out the front because I was so wow. anxious and yeah, yeah. Um, I just didn't know. I couldn't process it, I guess. And my dad was the same. We've talked about it. Years later, well, it's not, about how it's not he a took natural act for a human being to go through this. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know anybody else. You know, I've been in the music industry, as you said, twenty years or so, 
And I've never come across another artist that has been through that experience. Um, even to this day, you know, like the, the people that are over there and successful so to, now. To, I guess perhaps other artists would what, gradually Well, they go there go and to their work levels? on it for 10 years and that was their goal. And build you know, and like build and build, and, except you just yeah. went boom, right to Elton John well, status. So that, yeah, that, and that I got level. signed yeah. straight yeah. away, which has never happened. And it was just really weird, but you know, and I think it did. <laughs> yeah, well, it yeah, did. And yeah. I moved over there and, yeah. you know, it was really – it was great and I, I, I think, you know, I needed to have that experience like almost like going off to college, you know, like to learn all the things so about that was my, happening my around you about 17. Yeah. But I think you were over there for how many years? Six years. Six years. Mm. What, what happens in the years to follow? I mean, it, where mm. do you go from there? Like, Yeah, well, I did two albums with RCA over there um, and had, a, you know, a few billboard hits in America, toured with Brooks and Dunn and Alan Jackson and had an amazing I don't really follow experience. country music and even I, it's just like, they're like the, the biggest, aren't they? Like yeah, some of the well, biggest names you can get in country. I guess, you know, at that time they were. Yep. Um, I'm sure there's, you know, people who have sort of taken over now, the Taylor Swifts and whatever, although she's more pop now. Um, but, you know, at the time they certainly were the, the kings of you yeah, know, yeah, country yeah. music and yeah. um, it was an epic tour, um, an amazing experience. How many but, people were you playing in front of? Oh, stadiums, like, you know, it's a little 100,000, I don't know. So like, here you are working at Domino's <laughs> and then... <laughs> Playing to how many stadiums uh, of people? Yeah, it was, yeah, really surreal when now that you say it like that, I guess. Um, but, you know, I kind of always knew I was destined to do that, you know, like in a way, like I was confident in, in it as well. You know, I was a confident 17-year-old and I don't think I was your everyday, you know, like I look at my nieces and nephews at, at that age and, my God, they could not, they couldn't have moved to another country and, pursued a career and science Just maybe had the desire or that burning passion. I think I was that just, beat, that you know, made perhaps that belief. Ahead of my, I've, yeah. I've always had an old soul, I feel like, and maybe I just, you know, I'd been on the road a lot to that point already too, so I was kind of experienced in that, in the, in the industry. And, look, still, it totally took me by surprise and was strange, but I think I was somewhat prepared. But in a lot of ways, no, I wasn't at all prepared, so... Are we yeah. ever really prepared? <laughs> I don't know just if you ever can prepare for jump and grow wings on the way down. Right? No, that's right. You yeah. just hold on for dear yeah. life and see where it takes you. Um, well, this is what I yeah. really want to know. I mean, that's that's fascinating Sweet history. Story. I mean, that's you should write a book of that <laughs> twenty-year history of, of your career. We just just touched on just a couple of years, but mm. I mean, did I? Is that correct? Like, uh, not just uh, you've toured with uh, Brooks and Dunn, but it was Chris Isaac. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, in between the, the six years, I'd come home and do a little tour in Australia to keep things going here because I'd only just sort of started out here. So you were touring the here. States and then touring Australia. Were, yeah. you, were you backwards and forwards? Yeah, so I'd come home for like a month a year wow. to tour Australia just yep. to keep things happening here, release a record here, whatever. So I still had a career in Australia um, that, again, was just building and starting. Um, but, you know, I would have sell-out shows and stuff when I came home. I guess the hype had you know, from the Elton John staff and that had worked. Well, we love that. Like, yeah. uh, Aussies, um, we, we love anyone who, who's cracked it abroad. True. Yeah, hey, yeah, the, true. The little Aussie yeah. hey, come, coming back home. It's very true. Yeah, yeah that's right. And I, I felt that support and I felt that love. And, um, yeah, it was really great to come home and, and do do tours. So one of those tours was opening up for, for Chris Isaac on a, on his National Australian Tour, So, um, which was one of the best tours I've ever done to this day. He's Why is it? Why, legend. Why? Oh, they just really treated us like family. Um, again, I was 18 at the time and I took all my, you know, my little kid band with me, all my mates, you know, and um, he was just so, I don't know, just so kind. Like he, 
on the very last show of the tour, he and the whole band got up on stage and I didn't know what was going on. I just heard the audience start screaming in my last song. And I'm like, well, I'm really killing it on this one. And then I realized the whole band was on stage and they got on and sang the last song with me. Wow. And then, um, just didn't, didn't and had say a cake. Anything. Just, just no, to, had a cake and everything. And Chris Isaac was wearing my shirt, Catherine Britt shirt. Oh man. And he had a cake saying great tour, Catherine. And then, um, during his show, I, used to get up and we'd do Devil in Disguise, you know, the old Elvis, you're the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are. I, so I, we'd do that together. I, I oh, know, know it. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, we'd do that together and um, every night. So I got up on his thing and wore one of his suits and one of his Chris Isaac shirts and it was just really special. Every night he'd come off and he'd go, come on, superstar, and he'd take me to the signing desk and just really kind to me and really took care of me. Um, and one of those uh, interviews, I'm, uh, I feel like it was Current Affair, came out and did like a special on me at that time with everything that was going on. And they spoke to him and the things he said, this is beautiful. You know, he's just really, well, he's he really like such a charismatic guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So charismatic and so talented and so kind. And mm, there's a that's, lovely That's amazing. Tour. Yeah. How many tours have you done? Oh, so we just touched on a couple geez. there just to, to stadiums. Like, yeah, I mean, over the years, like hundreds, you know, I've, I've toured with every major artist in Australia um, over the years. You know, I, I did a big tour opening up for Lee Kernighan in the early days too, which really made a big impact on my career because he's got a, a real solid base. Sure. Um, yeah, I've done, done them all really. Um, and then uh, as far as country, Australian country artists go, you know, I've toured with them all over the years. Um yeah, I don't know, a lot. And then my Lost own count. tours as yeah, well, you know, like I'm doing my own tour at the moment, um, which, you know, I built built obviously up to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, where now I can go out independently and, and have my own support act, which is such a cool thing to give somebody else a chance and, you know, help somebody else up. So, yeah, nice one. That's, that's... I love that now. Well, um, really want to talk to you about this travel and touring side of things mm. because that that's awesome that you've lost count. <laughs> because when you when you compare that to many people who do travel or go on a tour, not necessarily mm. as a as a musician, but going on their own personal adventure, going on their own holiday, going on their own destination, some people plan for months. Mm-hmm. They pack out what underwear they're gonna be wearing on certain days. Like some yeah. people are that meticulous. Yeah. Other people is just like, oh, we'll figure it out as we go. Mm-hmm. But because um, that's what I do. I, I do travel and, and I run so many tours, and I see that in so many people. But what I'm really interested to know is how do you prepare for a tour? Because I believe, and I thank you again for coming down and doing this podcast, because I think you're preparing for a tour today or you're about yeah, to Yeah, I go back tomorrow. on the road today. Today? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so at the moment I'm in the middle of a tour called the Bush Pubs Tour, uh, which is the first one that we've done. Um, and this is a initiative that I put together myself. So I've never done my own thing before. I've always had a team around when me. When you that, say put together, you become independent? I uh, I booked all the gigs myself. I uh, put the whole concept together and sold it basically to the pubs around Australia, uh, and it worked, um, which, you know, it, it just blows my mind. But my husband and I have travelled around Australia for the last three or four years in a caravan. So what we found when we were travelling around um, was that there's this total lack of, of entertainment and music in the bush, um, you know, and... Back in the day, the Slim Dusties, you know who that is, yeah? 
Yep. Slim Dusty, yep. yeah. Well, He's I mean, from Kempsey. Yeah. Got a museum after. Nice. Um, the Slim Dusties of the world would go out to these small communities and do shows. They'd take their, car- their traveling caravan show and go out to these little small communities, Aboriginal communities, these places that, you know, no one went. And they'd sure. take this huge show to town and it'd be this huge event, you know, Slim Dusties in town and people would come from hundreds of k's oh, yeah. away to see it. Well, no one really does that anymore. So in the bush now, you know, you've got the drought and you've got all these other things going on too that are that are depriving them, but then also they're deprived of entertainment and music because no one goes out there because it's so dear to get out to the West and, you know, whatever and travel out to these places. So we just felt felt this need as we kind of were traveling along. I'd do the odd gig here and there for a bit of petrol money, a bit of fun, you know, because I miss playing because I was having a break and writing an album, but I miss playing. So I'd do a odd gig and... Literally, I book a gig. I did this gig in Nevertire, which is out west, and I called the pub and said, "Look, you know, we're coming through. Do you want me to come play a show, or whatever? You know, just give us, you know, some money for petrol and and place to stay." Wow. Happy to do it. And they were like, "Are you serious? Like, we would love that." <laughs> like, who is Next, this? <laughs> yeah, who is this? Um, I think we booked it a week out, and I just put it up on Facebook. Hey, look, I'm coming through Nevertire. I'm going to do a last minute show. Would be fun to see, whatever. I'm not even joking. It was like the Bush Telegraph. Like people out there don't get any of this stuff and it's spread like wildfire. And next minute it's this huge gig, you know, like and they're some of the best shows I've ever played because – Why is that? Why why are they like different types of fans or support? I think they're just excited, you know, beyond the people in the city because these people in the city, you know, or or on the coastal areas, they get this stuff all the time. Sport for choice with with entertainment. Totally. And it's just a – an everyday thing for them to go to a gig or whatever, or they go to them all the time and they're not really that, you know, as excitable about it. Sure, they're excited to come see their favourite artist or whatever, mm. but it's a different level because these people out there are just excited for a country gig, Yeah, you know, because they're country fans. They're not, it may not even be your fan. They just want to come and see some music and have fun and have a beer with their mates because they've been working on the they farm. They might have used to, like the entertainment you know, might be the local cover band. Sure, if, if that, yeah. you know, like they're really, really starved for music. So... I, anyway, I had this idea and I sold it into the pubs and it's just working, you know, and I think it doesn't hurt that the moment my tour started, like pretty much the drought broke, you know, not really, but there's been a hell of a lot of rain. All the fires got put out. It's like Australia rejoiced the moment my tour started and it really impacted the way, you know, because I, I really was worried that people would come because, you know, when people are in devastation or they're struggling, they don't want to go out and have a night out, you know, they're, they're struggling to pay their bills or their sheep are dying or whatever, you know, so these things don't occur but to them that they're going go to go to a Catherine But it's good to provide Brickie. like an, an uplifting, uplifting yeah, experience. Yeah, it just, well, yeah, and I think it all just was timing and it all kind of played into everyone's in a good mood out there now and they're celebrating and it just worked in with my tour. So we're getting amazing crowds and it's just such a great vibe and the show we've put together is very bush pubby and, and lots of fun and um, very interactive and, you know, we skull a beer in the show and all this sort of stuff. So it's very, very Aussie and a lot of fun and, and um, skull beer it's on great. The... Yeah. Can, I'm can, so can bad. Oh, it's so beer? bad. We do it at the end of the show. <laughs> a and B, I am so bad at it. Like yeah, I, yeah. I am a seasoned drinker. I'm a musician, but I just, I really suck at that. Like I thought I'd be better at sculling a beer and I'm not. I'm just, I always get like halfway through when everyone else is done and I just, I, I think I'm going to pull it out. Or do you give everyone a shot of vodka and you've just got water? <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> I would scull water, no worries. But the beer is like bubbly and cold and yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. not easy to do. But anyway, so I go back on that tour today um, 
yeah, where, this is where the do first you have to be tour. To, where's the first one today? So today we're playing Burke tomorrow. So I'm t- I travel around with the caravan. So we because at Burke's like eight and a half hours away. We're Hang on, your today. your whole the whole band is in the caravan. Yeah. So. I have a caravan for me. I'm taking my kids this weekend too and my mum to babysit. <laughs> Thanks, mum. So it'll be us in one car with one caravan and then I've got my uh, band, uh, Ben and his wife, who also sell coffee at the gigs. They've got a coffee business called Backroad, Backroad Baristas. <laughs> so they do coffee at the gig and then they've got their caravan and their little boy, Avery. So it's a very family thing. So I've started small. Um, this is sort of the own, the crew at the moment, but – when I go and sell it in again in 2021, I'm going to take a band and sort of grow it and make it a bigger and better that thing. That is amazing. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's been it's, a lot of hard work paying off, which is nice. Well, what I've really found, because um, I've done a lot of touring but very differently, Yeah. one of the biggest challenges that I've always faced is your personal relationships. I've missed birthdays, I've missed weddings. Like, it, it sucks. Yeah, you, you really want to the be club. there. Mm-hmm. You really want to be there, and but your line of work it's like, oh, I'm just going to just call in sick today and yeah. you just can't do it. But it no. sounds like where, you, where you've been touring for a long time, perhaps overseas or Nashville around Australia, mm. has that been a reality? And has this sort of influenced the caravan and bring Yeah, bring, well, bring yeah, the caravan along? definitely makes it easier to be a mum and, and do what I do because my job does not play Sorry, in how many well. Ch- how many children do you have? I've got two, wow. two little boys. Yeah, I've got a two-year-old and a five-month-old. Whoa. So I only just had a baby not long ago. Yeah, so... Oh, really? Thank you for turning up. You're a a busy woman. (laughs) My pleasure. Um, Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's not like compatible with what I do. You know, being a mum, like it's it's really hard. And I think that without the caravan, it would be really really hard. And a lot of my friends, because a lot of the people in the music industry around my level at the moment have all had kids, so it's great. We're all on the same page. We're all struggling together, (laughs) uh, trying to work it out how to be a parent and how to you know have a career. Yeah. Um, And it's really tough um, as a woman, definitely, because you know because uh, I was breastfeeding up until a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, it's, it's really tough. I can't be away from the baby, but I've got to work and, you know, um, it's it's a struggle. But the caravan definitely makes it easier. Um, but, you know, it's still really, really hard. And a lot of my friends just leave their kids at home and go away for the weekend. Sure. We're lucky now that it's just weekend travel. You know, when I started out with Casey Chambers' tour, I'd go away for months uh, at a time. Now you just kind of go off and do a weekend and come back. So it's you more know. sustainable touring, perhaps. Well, so you, can, you get those couple of days at home to, yeah, there's yeah. more of a balance now for sure. I say that, but in two weeks I go away for 10 weeks. So it's not really always a balance. Um, and that's something I've got to work out with um, my partner, you know, how to get the kids in and out so I can still see them over that 10-week period. Um, but, you know, my kids, I mean, I think they'll understand. I think when they grow up they'll get it. Um, my but son, does that recharge you, like? I mean, do you find that you get more momentum doing gig after gig after gig or is it better to do a couple of gigs, detach? Yeah, I like to do a couple of gigs than, than like, regroup Sure. Uh, now. Uh, maybe it's because I'm older and I need to sleep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm not I'm not 17 anymore where you could just go and go and go and go. Um, I think for me, voice-wise even, like, I like to be able to rest, you know, after a few gigs in a row, I sort of start to feel the um, – the wear and tear on my voice and um yeah i think for me i enjoy that weekend and then then the coming back to reality in between so wow. yeah it's good i much prefer the, the new touring <laughs> and then i've got friends who just like the mcclymonts who are an australian do other musicians band. sort of follow this concept like yeah to, i was just gonna say yeah, yeah they so they've got, all got kids and they um they just do every second weekend 
so that they've got a weekend at home with their kids. So I'll probably do that next year because that's very clever. I never thought of that. Wow. Yeah. So I guess you get to a certain point where you can control all of this stuff, you know. When you have a career, you can sort of mould it the way that you want it, you know, which is nice. I mean, I'm so grateful for that. You know, I've worked for so long to get to that point and it's nice that I can work it around my kids now. That is that is awesome. So based on the unforgettable amount of tools that you've, you've achieved – I mean, going from hotel room to hotel room, in this case, uh, caravan destination mm. to the backyard, uh, outback <laughs> pubs to, like, what's some travel recommendations you could provide? So, like, yeah. like what's what sort of your go-tos or your rituals that you do? So, go, well, I need this to happen mm. to make the tour successful. I think for me, um, packing light has become a really good thing. I used to just overpack when I was a kid and I'd take so much stuff. And you use, like, I don't know, one-tenth of it, you know, of what you actually pack. So for me, I've really learned how to consolidate and just take what you need. Um, you know, even if, like, I used to take so many outfits for on stage and you're doing, like, three gigs, so you need maximum three outfits, maybe five to sort of work out if one doesn't you feel fat in one, one day or whatever. But, you know, now it's like I'd probably take less than that because – you can wear the same outfit two shows in a row. They're not the same gig. They're in totally different towns. You know, I think really differently about this stuff now. But And I just want it to be simple and streamlined. I think, you know, you've got a certain amount of space in the caravan or on a plane or, uh, you know, in a Tarago with a band traveling, you know, or whatever. So you've got to be considerate of all that stuff. You've also got your guitar. You've got all this other stuff you've got to take. So your clothes need to be as minimal as possible. I just take my sandals. You can always buy some along the road, like along the you way. You could, yeah. So, I do shop a little yeah. on the road, not, not going to lie there. Um, you know, but uh, I think you just got to, you know, pack exactly what you need. And I know that's hard. That's harder to say than to do, but you just get better at it over time, I think, too. It's something that you kind of learn what you need. And I have a very, very simple regime. With my, it's not like I've got this, all this skincare and stuff like that. Like I'm terrible about that stuff. I'm a, I'm a previous chat. Uh, much the same advice talking to Grant Wormsley about that from Screaming Jets. <laughs> well, he's a bloke. I'm sure he doesn't have any. I, th- skin. I think I don't even think he would change his underpants. Like it's just like it's like yeah, pair of jeans and a shirt and good to go. I was like yeah, that's that's See, rock and roll. I would love to be a guy. <laughs> that would, that is so. Oh man, I would love that. I hate the one part I don't like is that every day I've got to you know get all made up. We've got this thing in society where women have to be all made up, you know, to present themselves. And it's a real shame. Is that really that, like, performer sort of Yeah, rock? I think, well, there's a few things to it. If yeah. you don't wear makeup on stage, you do get really, really washed out. And I get that. It is a stage thing. Um, and, you know, all performers have to wear something. Even men have to wear something so they don't look like a ghost on stage. So I get all of that. But this this extreme level of women women having to go to that next level of, you know, all this makeup and whatever and changing their appearance almost because they don't feel beautiful enough, I guess, to go on stage without it. That, you know, at times I've wanted to rebut against that and just go on stage without makeup and just be like, you know, just be you, you know, but it is such a part of my industry and I hate that about a girl. You've got to do your hair, you've got to get all your makeup done and, you know, it's it, men just chuck you know, jeans on and a shirt, and they a look Vegemite amazing. T-shirt and yeah, but that, and you look great. Like, and you chuck a pair of boots on, boom, you're ready to yeah, go on yeah, stage. Yeah. You know, be lovely. How I wish. <laughs> oh, that's 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 very interesting. So, like, so you are a mother now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, how do you? Um, so I was I was just doing a bit of research as well. Um, it's more recent times. 
you're talking about that appearance side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found a couple of things. It was in 2015. Okay. Um, as far as like putting books in perspective on how it can be important or not so important is, yeah, I think you're diagnosed with um, with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Like, did that like help? Your perspective when it comes to these look sorts of things. I mean, because some people think like, "Oh my God, looks on stage, mm-hmm. uh, such a dramatic impact." But did that change your mindset towards these things? Uh, getting diagnosed changed everything for me. Um, you know, I think I was gifted the the gift of hindsight at thirty. I don't think most people get that till they're much older. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a lot lot of good that came out of that too. Um, and the fact that I survived it and came out the other side and can say I'm a cancer survivor is, again, a bonus that I was gifted that, you know, that near-death experience, but I got to live it out the other side. You know, most people don't get that gift. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it changed me completely. I, I would say the post-cancer Catherine and now are two different people. Um so, and I think that's what it does to people. You know, I think getting sort of um, faced with your own immortality just really changes everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, a heavy experience to go through. Um, it was really tough for many, many years, and I'm still seeing sort of the side effects of it now um, on my marriage, uh, personally. Um, you know, it doesn't ever really go away, and I think if you speak to anybody who's been through that, it sort of is with you forever, you know, and you desperately want to move on from it and get get on with your life, but it's it's part of who you are. And I have a song in my show called F You Cancer that I do, and I always yeah. thought that I'd do that for a certain amount of time and then I'd move on. Yeah. But I've now realised I can't. Like, that is part of who I am, and I need to sing that song for the people who are going through it now. I, I was, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mm. love that song. Thank when you. I, I was singing the song and <laughs> I thought, um, that's such a powerful... But do you mind... Um, James, I I think a shout out who got mentioned for that was um possibly already know it was Elton John. He, mm, he, he yes. gave you a very warm. <laughs> um, do you mind if we sort of talk yeah, about that? Like, sure. Did yeah, you, he did like a little video. Um, yeah, we just uh, I think it's on YouTube. I think, I it, think it, so. I don't know. Possibly. Maybe. We shall see. <laughs> Hi Catherine, it's Alan. I'm in Las Vegas, but I wanted to send you this message because I know you're doing a tour and support of breast cancer. Um, and I know you have suffered from breast cancer and you're recovering. And I want to send all my best wishes for you. Uh, you're doing an amazing thing. And I want to say, F you cancer too. <laughs> have a wonderful tour and uh, I'll be thinking of you. That's very, yeah. very kind and supportive. Really yeah. cool. Um, so we did this big tour at the time I was going through it all. I, I think, you know, there's two ways that people go when they go through this stuff. They either put their head in the sand and, and deal with it on their own, which is totally okay, and that's some people's way of doing it. They just want to, you know, go go in chiller and, and deal with it on their own, and there's other people who do what I did and just make a big deal out of it, you know, and that was my way of coping and getting through it. I wanted to raise money. I wanted to be loud and tell everyone I had cancer and that I'm 30, and to me that meant other people my age might go, oh, crap, can you get cancer at 30? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go get checked, you know, so that was my real – I just made it a bit of a mission of mine, and I, I really do think it was a coping me- mechanism for me to just – go crazy and we did this big tour 
raised a shitload of money for uh, the McGrath Foundation, uh, and it yeah. was a huge success. And um, yeah, it was the FU Cancer Tour. So, and it was great. People like that, you know, did a little intro at the beginning of the shows, and um, it was incredible. Uh, I was very like very grateful. Oh, yeah, appreciate you sharing that. I know it's a hard topic, so <laughs> no, I'm, it's I'd... all good. You know, yeah. I think I'm beyond. All that now. The only reason my auntie's actually in a hospice at the moment and she hasn't got very long. So it's sort of hitting home again. And that's the thing about cancer. It, it just keeps continually hitting home because people keep it's so common. And I don't I hate that. That's why I wrote that song because it's just it, it angers me how common it is and that we can't get a hold on it. And we yeah, can't fix yeah. it. You know, it's everyone's so freaked out of all these other things like the coronavirus and all these other stuff. But man, Cancer's taking people out like that daily. Yeah, yeah. Like it's crazy. So, you know, I think for me it's an important message that I would like to keep doing going forward and, and I'm very proud to have the opportunity to do that. It seems like here. you've reached a level of perhaps gratitude, like, oh, like yeah. so so blessed and fortunate to be just experiencing every day. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you got an amazing tour ahead of you. Just yeah. In the country, rural parts of Australia. And I wasn't supposed to have kids, you know. I, I had a batch of chemo for six months and – that can wreck your reproductive system and everything. And um, they had this new drug that shut down my reproductive system, which is amazing. So I was put into menopause at 30. So Whoa. weird. And then I came out of it and I was able to conceive naturally and have two boys naturally. Oh, fuck so, you, cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty grateful for sure. That's the best word to use. I'm super grateful. Well, that's, um, thank you so much for sharing. Um, we'll start to wrap things up here, and I, I really do appreciate all the time that you've spent so far. But It's been a great um, chat, mate. Thank you. But I, I always try to just do a bit of silly things, have a bit of a game. <laughs> sure, okay. Why not? You know, it's about having fun and enjoying right. life, right? Yep. Um, so a friend of mine said, I said, oh, I'm doing a podcast with Catherine Britt. And what's some questions I could ask? You know, thinking some more insightful um, a friend of mine, he, he gave up with seven uh, sort of wacky ones here. So, okay, ready. So it's the, the, basically the game is would you rather. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so just got... At least it's not have you ever. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, next okay. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, would you rather, number one, be invisible or be able to fly? Oh, definitely fly. I dream all the time about flying or like not quite. I like kind of take off, but then I have to come back down to the ground because I can't quite get high enough. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to fly. That's oh, my cool. God. Well, this could be an interesting one because you work at Domino's. Would you rather, <laughs> number two, unlimited pizza or unlimited coffee? And you're drinking coffee Ooh, at the moment. Pizza or coffee. Well, see, it depends because if it's like um, Napoli Centrale, whatever it's called, that pizza, oh, my God, I would eat that. 24-7, that is the best pizza in Newcastle. Um, this is, you know, this is Macca's coffee. Yeah. It's way better coffee cool, in Newcastle. Mate. Yeah, we're, we're oh in the centre of Newcastle. Sorry, I was in a hurry. <laughs> um, no, there's so many great coffee shops in Newcastle and I love coffee. Oh, I would say coffee because pizza's not my favourite food, so I'd go coffee. coffee I need coffee, coffee every day. All right, so this is a good one because you know what life is like on the road. Not brush your teeth or not shower for a week. Oh my God, neither. Um, oh, if you had to you know, choose, I've would, lived would you in rather? a caravan and a camper van, so I've gone like a couple of days without showering because you <laughs> swim in swimming holes and stuff. So you're like, eh, that was a shower. Yeah, <laughs> that that'll is, do. That's a good alternative. So I guess I'd go without a shower. I need to brush my teeth. Oh my God. Well, you can wear the same outfit on stage twice, which is almost kind of the same thing. Yeah, true, yeah, true. Well, sense. I don't sweat that much, you know, <laughs> so um, that's handy. Um, but no, I think 
Oh, I mean, I would reek, but I would go. I'd go without a shower then before I go without brushing my teeth. All right. Well, you did mention about some Disney cartoons. I think you were a fan of Elton John during the Lion mm, King days. Yes. So, would you rather be a unicorn or be a mermaid? Unicorn or a mermaid? Mermaid. I think that's every girl's dream, right? What's yeah. wrong with a unicorn? Unicorn's well, pretty cool. It's, it's like a horse thing. <laughs> like I would rather be like more human <laughs> and have a tail. That's cooler. You know, because I just then be me, but I just kind of grow a tail. <laughs> well, Rather than become a horse thing. Hopefully, your husband watches this one because um, I actually didn't know you were married before this. So, uh, number five, marry for looks or marry for personality? Can I say both? <laughs> no, look, I think uh, the thing that made me fall in love with my husband was definitely his personality. Um, he is me basically, but uh, a man, uh, we're very much the same sort of person, which, you know, makes it very hard at times too because we butt heads all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, it's also what I love about him that he's, you know, uh, centre of attention, funny, you know, um, he's crazy. He's very crazy. So, yeah, I think I think personality, but he's also really good looking. So I don't know. You got both. I'm gonna go with yeah. Got yourself I a got winner. the whole package. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got two more. Okay. All right. Would you rather go one year without Facebook or one year without Netflix? Mm. Oh, that's hard. Okay, because I use both daily. <laughs> um, the thing is, so Facebook for me is is totally just a publicity tool. Um, I mean, I get on there and look at some stuff, my family and Until stuff. Until you get your really... own special on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> See, but I, lo I love Netflix. Yep. Mm. I'd probably go without Facebook. Facebook. And keep Netflix. Especially in life it on the road. would ruin my career, but yeah. do I still have Instagram? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're good. Be on oh, YouTube now. It's all switching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, and last one. Uh, would you rather no sex or no talking for one year? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? These are the questions. No sex or no talking for one year? Yeah, if you had to give it up. Uh, <laughs> I do like to talk. <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know. Probably no talking, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure everyone says that. Uh, <laughs> well, Catherine, I really do appreciate you taking time, especially My because pleasure. you're about to zip out on the road as yeah. we speak. So um, good luck on the on your tour. I was looking on your website and I'm a well-travelled Aussie and there's some places I haven't even heard Ooh, of on that tour. So that's really? like, oh, you are going out. I'm going back. into so, very isolated areas. Yeah, yeah and, and I wish you all the time, all, all the best of luck on the tour and and moving forward with the with the family life and living life in the Caribbean and travelling, of course. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs>